Good morning. Welcome to the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. My name is Maria Jenkins. My pronouns are she, her, and I will be one of your service leaders for this morning. I will be joined by our youth group. It is good to have you with us. The Unitarian Church of Edmonton is a liberal, religious, multi-generational community. We celebrate a rich mosaic of free thinking, spiritual questing individuals joined in common support and action. We welcome diversity pursue the common good, and work for justice. We believe in the compassion of the individual heart, the warmth of community, and the search for meaning in our lives. Whatever you believe or don't believe, whoever you love, however you understand family, whatever your age, race, or ability, you are welcome here. We begin our gathering acknowledging that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the histories, languages, and cultures of First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all the First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. May we be reminded here of our highest aspirations and inspired to bring our gifts of love and service to the altar of humanity. May we know once again that we are not isolated beings, but are connected in mystery and miracle to the universe to this community, and to each other. Now, let us take a moment to quiet ourselves and our devices as we enjoy a prelude.
your name? My name is Elora Kiley, and my pronouns are she, her. Calling all who cannot wait any longer for joy, for hope, and some good news, even a little. No, not yet. <laughs> the time has come. The waiting is over. Here in this time, we have an old story to tell, one that has been shared over and over for thousands of years, but still somehow it remains unheard, still radically, radical and risky, breaking through into these days of darkness and cold, division and fear, interrupting the perpetual stories of violence and loss and the feelings of powerlessness. Into the errands and errors of our everyday, Christmas arrives not only to comfort, but to awaken to reassure and also to stir us up as a new life, a life of peace and justice and courageous love struggles to be born. Wondering if we will yet be the ones who make room in our lives and in our world for the refugee, the poor, the plain, and the messy sweetness of a newborn baby. If we will take the journey to Bethlehem, if we will be changed by the presence of a love that meets us where we are in the fields, wherever we lay and calls us forth into a new journey, a braver and bolder life, believing that it is not too late for strong and gentle people to win, for compassion and truth to have the final say, for the bright light of hope to shine through, even on the darkest night. Come, let us celebrate the good news of Christmas and let us worship together. That was We Have an Old Story to Tell by Gretchen Haley. We will now light the chalice and the advent wreath. God, do the chalice first. And so the shortest day came and the year died, and everywhere down the centuries of the snow-white world came people singing, dancing to drive the dark away. They lightened candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen. They burned beseeching fires all night long to keep their, the year alive. And when the New Year's shine blazed awake, they shouted, reveling, through all the frosty ages, you can hear them echoing behind us. Listen, all the long echoes sing the same delight. This shortest day, as promise awakens in the sleeping land, they carol, feast, give thanks, and dearly loved, love their friends and hope for peace. And now, so do we, here, now. This year and every year, welcome you all. Now for the Advent reading. We are entering a time of year where the earth grows colder, animals begin to hibernate, and days become continually shorter. This morning marks the fourth Sunday in the season of Advent. In the Christian tradition, Advent is the beginning of the church year, recognizing the transforming power of God in the world and looking forward toward the birth of Jesus and the celebration of spiritual light. Christianity is not alone in celebrating light at this time of year. Hanukkah, Solstice, and Kwanzaa all involve candles, fire, and lights as part of their celebrations. We light one candle for each week of Advent to remind us that the light of these candles guides us for, toward personal peace, shared joys, and the season, shared joys of the season and opportunities to build love in our church and in the larger world. We light the first candle as a symbol of hope and expectation. We light the second candle as a symbol of our longing for peace, we light the third candle as a symbol of joy that cannot be contained and must be shared with. The fourth candle is the ultimate one that calls us to love one another and all living creatures on this earth. 
It is a time of being born, of being renewed in every way. We come into this life for a reason. When we find that reason, we should never be discouraged from its fulfillment. The time for waiting has passed. We are ready to hear the call to life, to celebrate the coming year with anticipation. Like the newborn child, we have the future before us. It is ours to accept and embrace. Blessed be our lives, our hopes, our work for peace with ourselves and others. Our first hymn this morning is number 237 in your hymnal, the first Noel. Please rise as you are willing and able to join in singing hymn number 237. and I will, be ringing, I will be reading today an adapted version of The Gift of the Magi by O. Henry. On the table sat a small pile of coins and a few rumpled dollar bills. That was all. Della counted it three times, but no matter how she counted, it still would never be enough. And tomorrow would be Christmas. There was nothing to do but fall on the bed and cry. When she had finished her crying, and she, she stood by the window and looked out. Tomorrow would be Christmas Day, and she only had this pitiful sum with which to buy her dear Jim a gift. She had put aside as much as she could for months, but everything had cost more than she had expected. It always happened like that. But only this much to buy a gift for Jim. She had spent many happy hours planning something nice for him, something nearly good enough. 
Suddenly she turned from the window and stood before a narrow mirror. Her eyes were shining brightly, but her face was pale. She quickly pulled down her hair and let it fall to its complete length. You see, the Youngs were very proud of two things which they owned. One was Jim's gold watch. It had once belonged to his father and to his grandfather before him. The other was Della's hair. If a queen had lived in the rooms near theirs, Della would have combed it over the balcony where the queen could see it. As Della knew, her hair was more beautiful than any royal lady could hope for. And if a king had lived in the same house with all his riches, Jim would have looked at his watch every time they met, for Jim was confident no king, despite their treasures, could overlook such a watch. So now Della's beautiful hair fell about her, shining like a falling stream of water. It reached below her knees and almost made itself a dress for her. She turned this way and that, then she put it up on her hair again, nervously and quickly. She stood for a moment, still, while a tear or two ran down her face. Then she put on her old brown coat and her old brown hat, and she walked quickly out of the door and down the street. Where she stopped, the sign read, Miss Sophroni, hair articles of all kinds. Up to the second floor, Della ran and stopped to catch her breath. Miss Sophroni looked at her with uncaring eyes. Will you buy my hair? asked Della. I buy hair, said Miss Sophroni. Take your hat off and let me take a look at it. So she did, and down fell the shining tresses. I can give you a good price for it, said Miss Sophroni, lifting the hair to feel its weight. Give it to me quick, said Della. After she left, the next two hours seemed to fly by. She was going from one shop to another to find a gift for Jim. She found it at last. It had surely been made for Jim and no one else. It was a gold watch chain, very simply made. Its value was in its rich and pure material. As soon as she saw it, she knew that Jim must have it. It was like him, quiet and valuable. She paid all that she had got for her hair that day and most of what she had saved. Then she hurried home with the chain and the last few coins. With this chain, Jim could look at his watch and learn the time anywhere he might be. For though the watch was very fine, it had never had a fine chain, but rather an old leather strap. He sometimes took it out and looked at it only when no one would see him. When Della arrived home, her mind quieted a little. She started to try and cover the sad marks of what she had done to her hair. Love and large-hearted giving, when added together, can leave deep marks. It's really easy to cover such marks. But within 40 minutes, it looked a little better. She stood at the mirror for a long time and hoped it was good enough. At seven, Jim's dinner was ready for him. Jim was never late. Della held the watch chain in her hand and sat near the door where he always entered. Then she heard his step in the hall and she paled for a moment. She often said little prayers quietly about simple everyday things. And now she said, please let him think I'm still pretty. The door opened and Jim stepped in. He was very thin and looked tired. He was only 22, but already worked to the bone. He needed a new coat and had nothing to cover his cold hands. Jim stopped inside the door. He was very quiet. He looked strangely at Della. It was not anger, nor surprise, or anything she had been ready for. Della went to him. Jim, dear, she cried, don't look at me like that. I sold my hair to buy you a gift. I couldn't live through Christmas without giving you a proper gift. My hair will grow again. You don't mind, do you? My hair goes very fast. You cut off your hair? He asked slowly. He seemed to be in shock. Cut it off and sold it, said Della. 
Don't you like me anyway? I'm still me. I'm the same without more hair. It's Christmas Eve, Jim, so let's not make a big fuss about it. Della turned around and started anxiously busying herself with dishes and food. I sold it for your gift, so let's eat dinner now, all right? Jim pulled Della into a hug. Then, from inside the coat, Jim took out something tied in paper and set it on the table. Listen, Della, he said, nothing like a haircut could make me love you any less. But if you open that, you may understand how I felt when I came in. Her nimble fingers pulled off the paper. There was a gasp of surprise, then a cry of joy, and last, a choked sob. For there lay a set of beautiful combs. The combs that Della had seen in a shop window and loved for a long time. Elegant combs, with jewels perfect to decorate her beautiful hair. She had known they cost too much for her to buy them. She had looked at them now and again without the least hope of ever actually owning them. But now they were hers, and her hair was gone. But she held them to her heart and looked up with a smile. My hair grows so fast, Jim. Suddenly she jumped up with a gasp. Jim had not seen his gift. She held it out to him in her open hand. The gold seemed to shine softly, as if with her own warm and loving spirit. Isn't it perfect, Jim? I hunted all over town to find it. You'll have to look at your watch a hundred times a day now. Give me your watch. I want to see how they look together. But instead, Jim sat down at the table and smiled. Della, he said, let's put our Christmas gifts away for now and keep them a while. They're too nice to use now. I sold my watch to get the money to buy the combs. You're right. We should have our dinner now. After all, it's Christmas Eve. They would share many more Christmases between them, some more comfortable than others. But the gifts they had given and received on this day were the most precious. Our next hymn is number 245, Joy to the World. Let us rise in body and spirit and sing together hymn number 245. One of the purposes of this church community is to encourage all who gather here to grow more generous in spirit and action. 
In addition to supporting this community, we also make a monthly commitment to the wider community. One half of the unidentified cash that is received is given to an outside organization. For the month of December, we are sharing our abundance with RISE, Reconciliation in Solidarity Edmonton, a non-for-profit society. Founded in 2015 in response to the one-year anniversary of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's national event in Edmonton, RISE is made up of people from all walks of life committed to moving reconciliation forward in our community. The objectives of RISE are to raise awareness of the lasting impacts of residential schools, to create safe spaces for conversation about reconciliation, and to offer opportunities to learn more and in, about and engage with Indigenous cultures. There are offering plates, plates located at each of the sanctuary exits. We invite you to leave a donation for RISE at the end of the service. For those of you online, you are encouraged to make a do donation to RISE through their website. We thank you for the, your generosity of spirit and action. Though through all we do here in this community and the wider world, we are involved in the important spiritual work of creation and compassion. Uh, let us join in, well, first of all, my name is Declan, my pronouns are he, him, and let us join in singing from You I Receive. Erica Deneve, my pronouns are she, they, and I am going to read you today, if I can find it on my lovely device here, uh, <laughs> uh, the excerpt from um, actually something that Liz James from Saskatoon uh, made a video last year um, explaining why we were all not failing to Christmas properly. And while it was fantastic, there were some parts that were maybe not so suitable for our younger audience members. So I have edited a little to share with you today. And of course, just because I did, there are no younger audience members really who it would be unsuitable for today, but that's okay. Maybe they're watching. <laughs> you are not failing to Christmas properly. You might be choosing to Christmas a little less or a little more than usual, but you are not failing. You are not failing if you are missing gifts or if you are missing people, or if you have people, but they're the same ones you've had throughout the pandemic and you're wishing you had a little less of them for a while, <laughs> or if you have people that you've only have on Zoom because you want to have them again next year. And you're not failing if you're just planning on spending your holidays drinking and watching Netflix and eating what you're telling yourself is candy left over from Halloween, except you finished and rebought it four times. <laughs> you're not failing if you somehow can't wrestle the true meaning of Christmas out of the dumpster fire going on around us like they always can in the made-for-TV movies because the made-for-TV movies were lying to you. Everyone lied to you about Christmas. Martha Stewart lied to you about the decor. 
The stores lied about how much anyone likes those stupid shrink-wrapped baskets. And Pinterest lied about absolutely freaking everything, because lying is what Pinterest does best. The church lied about when Jesus was born, and a whole bunch of people lied about Santa. And everybody lies about what a normal family looks like. This is all crap. It's not the real story. The real story is about a terrified refugee family huddled in a barn, full of animals and noise when they arrived, and that probably wasn't improved in smell or looks by the impromptu childbirth with no running water. There was no scrubbed face of Jesus, no clean and growing, glowing straw bales, and animals in barns do not kneel in tidy rows like that. So if you are worried about the cleanliness of your house, try comparing it to the scene of the alleged first Christmas and think, at least there is not a cow pooping in my living room and there is no blood on the floor. Because you can forget right now about the glued cranberry wreath that you saw on Martha Stewart's Pinterest, because that is not the real spirit of Christmas. That is the real spirit of Martha Stewart. The real spirit of Christmas is Mary, hoping the stupid star was a little less bright and the wise men wouldn't notice the mess and being annoyed that they couldn't have brought more practical gifts. You know that traditional Mary pose where she's got her head tucked down and she's looking at baby Jesus? Am I the only one who thinks it is very clear what's actually happening there is she's nodded off and she's having a dream in which she pushes a cow over and it falls and crushes every single one of her guests to death. And that is the real spirit of Christmas. It is endurance and exhaustion and making do, maybe. Except the real Christmas doesn't come from Mary and Joseph. It isn't like there was that night of the first one and then it went on loop like that for many thousands of years until the liberal media started saying happy holidays and everybody started arguing. No. Christmas has roots all over. Modern Santa Claus is a mashup of about four different guys. Sinterklaas had slaves, used to stuff bad children into sacks and kick them, and don't get me started on the December 25th thing, which actually comes from pagans hosting big parties for the return of the sun. And then the Christians arrived and they said, oh, these parties, hedonist evil doing. And they got uppity. So the pagans were all, but we were celebrating the birth of your Jesus fellow. And then the pagans got to keep the solstice with a little rebranding like we kept Santa Claus, but with the quick ixnay on the ikinke. So you are not failing to Christmas properly if you can't recreate what you do each year. Because even without the pandemic, still going on. The Christmas you're trying to return to never happened. December isn't a season of beauty and depth and connection that's been screwed up by a pandemic. It's screwed up every year. It disappoints us 
in one way or another every year. The only constant of Christmas is it's constantly getting remade to fit the world of the people who are celebrating it. It's about making do with a barn and a family with some heavy paternity questions going on. Making do with a festival that gets jerry-rigged to keep it alive and avoid persecution. Making do with decorations, decking the halls with literally whatever garbage you found in the woods behind the house. And thinking about the sun coming back, knowing it will eventually. But checking the length of the days, trying to figure out when we've turned the corner. How long is it going to be before we get to emerge? And this year, we are all connected to that tradition. We know what it means to be holding on. We know it on a whole new level. We also know how, in the middle of what can only be described as a marathon of exhaustion, there are always these moments of warmth and light and Mary smiling at the baby or driving to look at the Christmas lights in the car with Coco on the kids' laps or caroling with your friends on Zoom. And you will find and make these moments of joy and you should embrace them and let them warm you to your toes no matter how unorthodox they are. Because the beauty of these moments is that no amount of anything sucking can make them any less beautiful. This is true every year, and it will be true this year. Know that cold and dark and uncertainty cannot cancel Christmas. Nothing can cancel Christmas. It's not cancelable. Because the real meaning of Christmas is to endure uncertainty and to have change. And the meaning of Christmas is not about being perfect. It's about something more beautiful and more profound and way less photogenic. To be human is to be part of a great story of learning and changing and enduring and making do. And you, with your imperfect holiday, you fit right into that story. Christmas is not failing you. You are not failing Christmas. You're doing Christmas exactly right. And now we are going to do silent candles of joy and concern. And I have not been here for an in-person service, so I have no idea how that's going to go. <laughs> Left side of the tree, helpful Declan has told me. And there is a, uh, a little candle available there that you can light your candles off of. And it looks like we get some music to do that with as well. And extinguish the candle in the water, please, when you are all done. <laughs>
of having microphones that work. Um, I don't know if we still do. It's not working? Okay, y'all can hear me anyway. It's going to come on eventually. Great. I don't know if this is something we're still doing here or not, but we used to. Um, one final candle for all the joys and concerns unexpressed but still held in our hearts. Hopefully I won't light anything on fire. Hello there. Oh, that, that's a little loud. <laughs> Hello there. My name is Alex. My pronouns are he, him. Give the gifts you have brought an extra squeeze, knowing that you are giving more than just a mitten or a scarf. You are reminding a young person who may have experienced trauma that there's good in the world you are offering support to a parent who may feel like they're not up for the challenge. You are giving hope to a person who may feel lost and hopeless. With this knowledge, we offer this prayer. May these mittens and hats and scarves bring extra warmth to both the giver and the receiver of these precious gifts. May the givers feel lighter knowing that they are blessed with abundance. May the receivers feel cozy, soft comfort knowing that they are cared for. And may we all find contentment in the simple act of giving and receiving this winter season. Now let's, let's decorate, decorate this tree. tree.
Well, this was my first mitten tree service. I'm in a little bit of shock. Um, I just have to say how wonderful it's been. You guys have just been doing such a great job. And my job now is to bless this mess. That's the sign on my, my door that my mother put on my door when I was a teenager, bless this mess. Anyway, omitting tree. Let's just take a moment to think about what this represents besides an absolutely amazing ritual for us having some fun and shopping and knitting. But what it represents. As I've been walking around and, and uh, which we, I'm not doing too much of these days, but it's a little chilly out. I think to myself, I wonder what people are doing to stay warm that that don't have the luxuries that I do. It was interesting, I was walking home the other day thinking that I can hardly wait to get home and cozy up and put on my heat and my furnace was broken. So I got to experience a little bit of that, but such a tiny, tiny bit. So let's just take a moment and think about those a little less, think about those less fortunate than we are and that we are giving back something. So Mitten Tree, may your adornments be blessed. May those who wear these warming clothes know that they were given in love, in caring and consideration, and with a genuine interest to relieve the suffering of those that are are suffering in this world by, with cold, hunger, insecure housing, floods, famine, the lists are long. But we have done something today. Omit and tree, may you know that we care. Let's hold all those in our hearts and our minds that may meet, wear these warming clothes. And may your heart be warmed, and may, know, may you know that you are generous in spirit. Amen. Now, you should have found a small printed slip of paper on your chair when you arrived today. If you don't have one, you can share with someone nearby, I hope. As we sing our own version of O Christmas Tree in honor of the mitten tree.
Good morning, again. <laughs> All right. Namer. Hmm? Oh, yeah. My name is uh, Valet Slevin, and my pronouns are she, her. No matter how weak or frightened we may feel, we each have gifts that make a difference in the world. In this coming week, may you do at least one thing to support the broken, to welcome the stranger, to celebrate what is worthy, to do the work of justice and love. Be strong. Be connected. Each day, act, so you may be a little more whole. Do we do the chalice extinguishing now? Okay, yes. Good stuff. I, that was it. <laughs> All right. Uh, just before we close our service with Carry the Flame and the musical postload, um, are there any announcements? Okay. Um, please come to the end front and like speak in the microphone so that our friends on Zoom can also hear you. This is something of a double header. My daughter Susan, who's a member of this church, is making the same announcement at the Winnipeg Unitarian Church this morning. This is an appeal for people to sign a petition to the government of Canada to uh, get the government to take action to get people who are in deadly danger out of Afghanistan. Some of you may have seen or heard of an incident this week in which a 10-year-old girl was shot dead by Taliban because her father had assisted Canadian and American military as, I believe, a carpenter. Uh, the petition has, I've got copies outside for people to sign, uh, also um, an information package. Um, I'll add, this is not organized by any formal group. It's a bunch of, uh, to put it bluntly, angry old men uh, of which I'm one. Uh, we were, over 60 years ago, graduates of the Royal Military College of Canada. Uh, as such, those of us who stayed in the military uh, were retired by the time Afghanistan started. I also, in the information package, have a uh, copy of a newspaper article I did in 2002 opposing Canada's involvement, um, and that's something I stand by. I thought it was a foolish gesture, and it's ended up about the way I foresaw. So I'm outside if you have any questions. Oh, one other thing for members of the uh, youth group. There's no age limit on signing petitions to Parliament, so if you feel so inclined, 
All you need is your name, signed, and address. Thank you very much. All right. Are there any other announcements? Ooh, okay. Um, now, finally, please rise as you are willing and able to join in seeing Carry the Flame. Don't